0: Children's trauma comes in many shapes and sizes. It's more than a few boo-boos. We give a hug and put a Band-Aid on. It may be related to abuse, mental health, illness, injury, whether an accident or sports activity. We're fortunate to have right here in North Florida, the leading children's hospital as well as a comprehensive pediatric trauma center. Hello and welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program or JSMB in Jacksonville, Florida. JSMP is a nonprofit advocacy and prevention program that is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. Today, one of our partners, Wilsons Children's Hospital, a nationally ranked nonprofit pediatric acute care hospital located right here in Jacksonville, Florida, and who is the leading provider for children in Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia. Our joining us today is Lisa Nichols, Pediatric Trauma Program Manager at Wilsons Children's Hospital, and Dr. John Dross trauma medical director. They will discuss topics relevant to the center and sports injuries. So welcome today to the youth Sports Injury Update. Thanks, Jim. Thank,
1: thank you so for Lisa, having us.
0: Thank you. So Lisa, tell us a little bit about the Pediatric Trauma Center at Wilson's Children's Hospital. What makes it unique and uh, what's, what's special about it?
1: Yeah, the trauma center uh, at, Chil- at Wolfson Children's uh, has recently gone through um, what's called a verification process. And what that is, is the American College of Surgeons, who's kind of the governing body of trauma centers across the country, has set forth standards by which each um, hospital has to meet in order to be kind of verified as a trauma um, center. They actually verify that you actually have all of the processes, guidelines, people, education, Injury prevention, advocacy, all of those things in place to be verified as a trauma center. So that American College of Surgeons then comes into, uh, goes into a hospital and, and actually goes through, you know, a, a rigorous process through a two day process to look at those systems within each hospital to say, yes, you've, meet, you've met these standards. You, you can be verified as a trauma center. Um, and we actually, as Wolfson Children's, went through that process in August of last year. There are different levels um, and we're the highest level that you can be um, as far as meeting all of the standards from the American College of Surgeons. So that makes us a level one pediatric trauma center. So there are only four um, pediatric level one trauma centers in the state of Florida, with others being in Orlando, Miami and Tampa. Um, so that makes us very unique um, from that perspective. And we're able to cover all of no- Northeast Florida as well as Southeast Georgia um, in the care of our severely injured children.
0: Dr. Drouse, um, you serve as the medical director. If you would explain a little bit, what's a level one trauma and kind of highlight the role of some of your medical staff and the, the services that they, uh, specialties that they bring to the table.
2: So a level one trauma activation is the highest level Uh, trauma uh, in our hospital. So those are the uh, uh, severely uh, injured children uh, who present to our hospital uh, with risk of dying from their injuries. Uh, The trauma program oversees uh, every part of their care while they're in our hospital. So uh, as the child comes in through the emergency department, the trauma service uh, meets them uh, in the emergency room. Uh, There are trauma surgeons, there are uh, emergency medicine physicians. Uh, there are nurses. Uh, there are social workers. There are uh, radiologists. I mean, there's a whole team of uh, healthcare professionals that are focused on the well being of that child. Uh, and we see them through, you know, if the child goes to the operating room, they go to the operating room with the surgeon. If they're admitted to the intensive care unit, The trauma team works with the ICU doctors who are also part of the trauma care, uh, trauma team to uh, manage their care. If the child goes to the uh, regular floor, uh, we're still uh, involved uh, with a different set of nurses uh, to take care of that patient and their family. And then also making sure that that child um, uh, has the best place to go after they leave our hospital. Most kids, thankfully, are able to return to their home environment. Uh, We want to make sure they have the uh, uh, medical equipment that they need so that they're set up for success at home. Some kids require uh, rehabilitation uh, after being discharged from the hospital. So the trauma services is also involved in making sure that they get placed in the appropriate facility. We partner with the uh, rehab physicians uh, and their staff to make sure things are going to make that as, as seamless as possible.
0: Okay. So in a, in a practical sense, it could be a, a motor, motor vehicle accident, or from a sports perspective, it could be a six, 14, 15 year old with a cervical spine injury, uh, major brain trauma from that goes along with a concussion or some type of, of sports injury in that. So Lisa is a, uh, I'm a parent and uh, the emergency arises. And so what's, what is a parent? What am I looking forward to when I come in there? From your perspective,
1: it really depends on the severity of uh, the child's injury and stuff when they come in. So, um, any child that comes in through the Wolfson Emergency Department will be screened, uh, depending on how their injuries are, and we'll look at all of their vital signs. You know, their, you know, how they're mentally um, processing what's happening to them. Are you know, is their breathing okay? As you know, Doctor Drouse talked about. Severe injuries um, are going to be a little bit different, so it really depends on the severity of illness for injury first, Uh, and then second, the emergency physicians will do you know their cursory evaluation. If it's a child that's not severely injured, they have a broken arm, or they may. be suffering from a concussion. Um, they may have, you know, other injuries uh, that they'll, the emergency physicians usually will do a cursory cursory exam first, um, and then they will consult our trauma surgeons who will then go and evaluate the patients from there. And then from there, it would be, you know, if they need radiologic studies to rule out fractures or, you know, looking at, you know, head CTs if needed or other, you know, CTs that may be needed or other radiologic films. It may be labs that are needed if we're looking for, potential, you know, internal injuries, that labs can kind of tell us a lot about that as well. So all of those things will be evaluated and and treated um, as needed in the emergency department. And then subsequently, depending on what the injuries are, if it's a, you know, if it's a broken arm that potentially can be um, reduced and treated in the emergency department, they'll see. You know, our orthopedic surgeons will become involved in those in the care of those patients, and the reduction of the the fracture may actually help uh, happen in the emergency department with sedation as a you know uh, as administered by our emergency room physician, so that the child remains comfortable, uh, and they can be sent home directly from the emergency department, or if they have to go to the operating room. Um, they'll leave them the emergency department, go to the operating room and receive whatever operations they need. Sometimes it's observation um, or trying to treat symptoms. if it's a, a significant concussion, um and the child's still having headaches or vomiting, um, and we want to make sure that they remain hydrated and we're able to assist them with um, any of the symptom, symptomatology that they have, just making sure that the child actually feels better before we then send them home as well and making sure that something more significant isn't going on. So there's, it runs the gamut. Okay. I I think you probably answered my next question, but the difference in a,
0: in a pediatric trauma center versus a standalone ER or a Care center, uh, not to minimize their care by any way, but it might be a no-brainer if EMS is called. They're going to help mm-hmm. to make that decision where it's best transported to, where that child is is transported to, and the type of care that they need because of certain um, protocols and, and things that are already in place right. in that. But uh, Dr. Drauss, what do you what do you think are some of the more common trauma injuries? Uh, related to or not related to sports that you are seeing
2: there in the, uh, at the trauma center. Sure. Uh, and Jim, just to follow up on your last question or your last point there, you know, the the, the role of a trauma center is uh, to get the patient to the right facility in the shortest amount of time possible. And so it really, you know, as you alluded to it, it depends on the severity of their injury. I, I think, you know, we, and we partner with, uh, Surrounding hospitals and emergency care centers uh, in the community to to make sure that um, they know about us, that we you know share protocols that um, that they're uh, and they are certainly equipped to take care of the the minor you know sport in- sports injuries, minor other injuries uh, at their facility. You know we want to we have the specialized care here for the more severely injured patients. Um, so that's really our goal, to get the patient, the correct patient, to the correct facility in the correct amount of time. And, and then as far as injuries that that, that we see here, so uh, again, being a freestanding children's hospital, we really run the gamut. Uh, we have kids that are seen by the emergency medicine physicians with more minor injuries, uh, such as, you know, sprains and, and more minor fractures. Uh, they will be evaluated treated and uh, discharged appropriately. As far as traumas are available for kids with more severe injuries. Uh, in, in the ones that come to mind, you know, we certainly take care of a lot of kids that are involved in motor vehicle accidents. Uh, we see a lot of kids involved in motor, other motorized vehicle accidents, such as ATVs, uh, golf carts, uh, the motorized scooters that are becoming you know, more and more popular. So we'll see fractures associated with those injuries. We see a lot of head injuries uh, uh, ranging from uh, concussions to more severe traumatic brain injuries. Uh, And so we have the specialized services, the pediatric orthopedic surgeons, pediatric neurologists, uh, pediatric neurosurgeons uh, to make sure that not only the uh, acute injury is managed, but that they have the appropriate uh, follow-up care uh, as well.
0: Right. That that follow-up care is very, very essential. It's not just like, oh, you've got a concussion, go home and rest. And if you need to see me, come see me. It's, it's right. a lot more complex than that. And uh, you make a great point. We work with the uh, Safe Kids program here, a lot mm-hmm. of helmets and things like that. And as we know, helmets do not prevent concussions. They prevent skull fractures. And yet uh, we see um, people... Uh, I don't know, it's ambulating on these fast single-wheel devices that they balance on or big fat tires with uh motorization to them, so to speak. And so everybody should always wear a helmet in situations like that. But then again, it's not a uh not a cure-all. Uh, concussions are still a big issue in sports today. If someone comes in with a concussion, you know, we don't call them mild, medium, moderate, or anything like that anymore. What are some of your follow-up recommendations for care?
1: We actually have gone through um, working with our rehab specialists, our, you know, our physical therapists, our occupational therapists, and our speech therapists, um, as well as working with the neuropsychology team here uh, to really develop a good set of discharge instructions as well as education for nursing. Um, when these patients are admitted, as far as how we can better help them um, in recovering from their concussion. So those discharge instructions are broken down by age groups, which is also helpful. So because sometimes it's hard to, you know, you you have a two-year-old and is that child able to talk to you and tell you that they have a headache, but you're really looking at behaviors. And so we tried to break them down more specifically for what you would see potentially in that child's age group. Um, and or what you can, what you want to be concerned about and stuff going forward, like what are those red flags that you are concerned about that you might need further follow-up with those patients. So, and then it's really working with um, all of our patients uh, that get admitted um, to the trauma service are evaluated by our therapy teams. And that's, you know, OT, uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech therapy to see if they have any other needs, any deficits. And that's It comes very in handy with all of our concussion patients as our speech therapy teams work on getting a speech cognitive evaluation as well as if their speech is affected, looking at, you know, any sort of balance issues um, and or complaints of headache or eye pain um, or some of those things that may come along with concussions as well. And are they going to need further follow up uh, related to that concussion once they leave the hospital? Our neuropsychology team also can get involved uh, with those patients to do some of those um, cognitive evaluations as well. If we have somebody who has a really significant concussion, um, that then they can actually follow up with those patients and stuff once they're actually discharged to kind of help them progress um, to being less symptomatic and and being less concussed or you know post concussion syndrome. So with no that's great you're you're yeah. on
0: you're on the right track there are, there are multiple trajectories we have learned uh vision balance need for physical therapy cognitive issues psychological issues nutritional issues a lot of different uh trajectories that people present with uh, concussions and so it's not a one size fits all every brain is completely different and uh you know we've learned so much um about these things, or excuse me, we are continuing to learn so much about these things. So that's that's great. You've got that comprehensive program. It's not, here, go home, you've got a headache, take an Advil, and come see me if you need me. We have, pro, we have uh, laws in the state for our high school students that um, cannot go back to return to play and their return to learn issues and things like that that are all involved. So it's just not a, a bump on the head anymore
2: everyone wants, you know, the kid to get back to level of health they were at, you know, before the injury occurred. Um, And certainly the return to play guidelines um, are very, very important. You know, I tell kids a concussion is kind of like spraining your ankle. Um, It it takes time for that injury to heal. Uh, And until that injury heals, you're at risk of causing further damage uh, to your brain uh, if, if, if a second uh, injury occurs. And, and, you know, what we've learned in recent years is, is those injuries compound on each other, that, a, that a second injury, second concussion, while the brain is healing from the first one is, is far worse than individual events.
0: Right. And unfortunately we've seen that in kids and, uh, children that are still having the effects of those four or five, six years down the road, uh, because of second impact syndrome. So head injuries are to be, uh, Taken very serious, and any concerns you'd like to share to address that could help keep children out of the trauma center. Uh, when Mister Robin was here, he says it's our primary job to keep people out of the hospital, and that, yeah. and I, and that sounds strange, but I understand that. But what, uh, from your experience, what are you seeing that would help to to keep them out of there in the first place?
2: Well, um, you know, Ben Franklin, I think, said, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, and that's very, very true. So you know I just in, encourage your listeners not to take unnecessary risks. Please use protective uh, equipment. If you're in the car, wear your seatbelt every time you know before the before the car leaves the uh, 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 driveway, make sure seatbelts are on. If you're playing contact sports, uh, make sure you're you have the right equipment, that you're consistently using your helmet, that your uh, equipment uh, fits, uh, correctly, all those things are designed to protect you. If you're, um, nobody leaves the house planning to have an accident. So you have to prepare for the unexpected, right? Uh, if you're riding your bike, if you're riding a scooter, uh, any of those things, it's, it's very, very important to, you know, put on a helmet. It takes two, three seconds, you know, to do that. And it, as you grow and your head gets bigger, it's important you have the right size helmet. So I I just think all those things are are, are very, very important. And, you know, the last thing is I think you have to be aware of your environment. If you see something that's not safe, uh, be it at school or uh, outside of school, bring that to the alert of of somebody. You know, again, just preventing uh, unplanned events from happening. Uh, We want everybody to live long, healthy, successful lives. And so I think we have to look out for each other as well. Exactly, yeah. Lisa.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. I think you know, you know, Dr. Drouse has, has touched on many of these topics, but I think it's it's even yes, it's wearing seat belts, but it's also making sure that children are restrained within car seats um, because cars just aren't built for kids. Kids, cars really aren't built for children until they're over the age or over the height of four foot nine. So, and most of our children, you know, up to the ages of, you know, even eight, nine, 10 years old are under the height of four foot nine. And that's where seatbelts have been made to really fit, you know, that size of person. So that's where not only car seats, but booster seats are going to boost those kids up so that those those seatbelts hit them in the places across their hips and across their shoulders in an appropriate place. So those are important things to remember. Um, Going off a little bit also, um, he talked about golf carts. Most people when they're riding in a golf cart aren't thinking about wearing a helmet. So, but it's having people who are driving golf carts who should be driving any vehicle. So, you know, younger children driving golf carts and especially driving them out on the streets and stuff um, in many of our communities, is becoming more and more commonplace, but it's, it's being smart about that and making sure that the person who's driving that golf cart um, is being responsible. And there are many of those golf carts that actually have seatbelts as well and making sure that those seatbelts are being used. So we talked about ATV safety, but one of the other things we haven't touched on much, um, and I realize you know it's not really sports related, but another large area of, of patients and stuff that we see are child abuse. Um, patients. And so it's really working with families to help them understand what resources are available to them um, and how to, you know, deal with a crying baby. Um, Many people have never been around babies who are crying. Um, And how do you actually help that baby um, in that situation when they're crying and and really helping to manage your own frustrations um, during those times as well? So anything we can do to help, you know, recognize that, If you're a frustrated parent, putting a child alone in a crib is okay uh, until you can kind of, you know, calm yourself down and get yourself um, a little bit better under control before you're actually trying to work back with the baby.
0: Yeah, those are all excellent points. And uh, by both of you and uh, Baptist and Wolfson has a number of programs through Safe Kids to uh, help uh, new moms, help uh, parents uh, with uh, child Child safety restraints for their vehicles and getting them properly fitted. There's a program that they do that uh, regularly uh, over there. So contact us, uh, contact Wolfson's to uh, find out more information and uh, protect your child from day one in, in many, many ways. So this has all been great. Uh, Thank you very much for your time and and the information. And I'll put more information in our show notes. And so thank you very much for this insightful uh, information. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. JSMP is dedicated to youth sports safety through advocacy and prevention. Make sure that your school or sports team is safely prepared by having a certified and licensed athletic trainer present. Please check our website at jaxsmp.com. In today's podcast, we have featured our partner, Wolfson's Children's Hospital, a leading provider for children in Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia. Learn more at wolfsonchildrens.com and check out our show notes for further information. Some helpful links are there to help keep your kids safe. The Youth Sports Safety Update is produced by JSMP.
2: Your host and producer today is Jim Mackey. Please join us again soon, and thank you very much.